Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. All right. Welcome back to the Run Dot Down post game show here on the Strickland YouTube channel. And if you're listening to this the day after the Strickland Podcast Network, Knicks lose a heartbreaker in overtime to the Toronto Raptors at MSG on MLK Day, one twenty three to one twenty one. Um, Knicks had a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter, um, which then dwindled down to the point where Scotty Barnes was hitting, was shooting free throws. He misses one. RJ comes down. Knicks down two. And RJ just yams it on Scotty Barnes, which should have been an and one, which probably would have won us the game at that point because there were six tenths of a second left and the Raptors did not even get a look up on the other end um, after that. But, um, yeah, I mean, this was a great bounce-back game from RJ. Um, 32.7 rebounds, um, 10 of 23 from the field, 2 of 9 from 3, 10 of 11 from the free-throw line. Big kudos to him for, you know, hitting his free-throws down the stretch in the fourth quarter and in overtime. Um, you know, that's something that's been a point of contention with him in the past, of him being able to hit his free-throws. You're now seeing that he's able to, you know, hit them with regularity. So, you know, kudos to him for a great game. Um, but, yeah, I mean, before we even get to anything else, I think we do have to start with um, the refs tonight. I mean, absolutely garbage officiating tonight, um, led by none other than Scott Foster, who <laughs> is – is the fact that an NBA ref is known by his full name for his reputation is kind of concerning within itself um, for the league, or at least I would think so. But I mean, yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at the first half, what we we they shot like what twenty two free throws in the first half. Mm-hmm. Um, it it was something insane. It's just like, how many times are we going to be on our own home court and get screwed over by the refs? And today it was like it was like more egregious than like the past couple like really bad officiating games because we had some really bad officiating games versus us. The last Toronto game in MSG. The Portland game where Jeremy Grant went crazy. Those are some examples of them, but they, those weren't as egregious as tonight. I think tonight it was really blatant how one-sided the calls were. Um, I mean, their guys are absolutely hacking us, and then we go the other way, and we we're playing our defense, and we're not allowed to play defense basically at, at certain points in the game, and it's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't understand what they expect us to do, but I mean, yeah. I can think of like one egregious – like, I don't know. I'm not perfectly objective. I'm obviously super – I mean, the Knicks are my favorite team in all of sports. And, yeah, they're probably the most emotional I get about sports. But, I don't know. I try to be as objective as possible. And, like, that that quickly foul the, that sent him to the line when he was fading away on OG, that's the only one I can think of where I was like, man, that's a bad call. Like, we got we got one there. And the problem isn't that it's just a series of bad calls. Like, I don't know, maybe something is going on. I don't think there is like the the problem is that the Raptors sort of create a paradigm where it's almost two different sets of rules because their bet on one end on the defensive end is that basically the refs are limited in how many fouls they'll call. And so they're physical every second of every defensive possession, which like, Kudos to them for being able to keep up that energy, but they're basically fouling every possession of every game. And they're like, yeah, the refs are only going to call so many. 
And then on the other end, they're flailing and flopping every and exaggerating contact every single time down. So it creates this game where it looks like, and it, and it actually is, one team getting X called and another team not getting those things. A perfect example is the offensive rebounds. When the Raptors go for an offensive rebound, anytime somebody goes for a box out on them or tries to prevent them from getting an offensive rebound, they're jumping, screaming, and throwing their arms in the air. There were at least three different times in tonight's game where we were called for a foul because somebody was down low, went for an offensive rebound, just jumped and went like that. And meanwhile, on the defensive glass, go back and watch Hardenstein on the defensive glass. He's getting held. He's getting, it's the same thing, but you're not getting the consistency of calls. And that's really what it is, is you want consistency of calls. You want, you just want the same thing called on, on both sides. It's, it's like a strike zone, you know, like you can have a bad strike zone in baseball, but if you're calling outside high a strike, call it for both sides. When the Raptors create this world where these things are or aren't fouls, it should be the same for both teams. And there's no objective person who can go back and watch that game and say, yeah, they were calling. We can go look at things that were called for fouls for the Raptors and find something very similar that wasn't a call called a foul for the Knicks. And and then vice versa. We can look at we can look at the contact that RJ took where he got absolutely clobbered and then they went on a fast break and they called less contact the way down. There's tens of examples of that from this game alone. So look, like this game was interesting. And I don't think that we should, even though I do think it played a big factor in the game, I don't think we should harp on it too long, but it absolutely swung the game in favor of the Raptors. And I mean, I guess good for them for putting that kind of pressure on the refs. That's the kind of game they play. And yeah, that's, that's really all there is, I guess. Yeah. Last thing I will say is I love like how objective New York reporters and like the commentators will try to be, on this topic like mike and mike mike and clyde they'll be like oh they're letting them play tonight it's like no they're letting the raptors play tonight we're having to like scratch and claw to like we're, we're basically like having to like get like concussed to get a call basically like we're they're not letting us play they're letting them play and then My, um, Cass also says the raptors handsiness was on full display tonight love that word it, 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 you could have just said they're hacking tonight like literally my favorite of theirs was, so we were up 10. It was uh, 93-83. And um, it was around that time. And they something, and then they cut it to 93-87. And a foul was called. And, it, it, oh, it was the uh, when Brunson got kneed by Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. And then they get a fast break, quickly, absolutely defends his ass off in a one-on-three. Scotty Barnes steps out of bounds to catch the ball and then gets fouled when he comes back inbounds and they're watching the replay. And finally Breen's like, all right, that was a foul. They should have called it on Toronto. And Clyde goes, well, they've been more aggressive all night. So they're the referees are giving them the whistle. And it's like the Raptors shot 15 more threes than the Knicks and the Knicks led the whole way. In what world were they more? Like, I don't get if they were more aggressive, it certainly wasn't panning out on the court. Like, the only reason it seems like they were more aggressive is because when they were aggressive, fouls were called. And when, when the Knicks were aggressive, fouls weren't called. So it looked like good aggressive defense. It's 
a self-fulfilling prophecy almost if the refs had money on Toronto. <laughs> yeah. That's just awful. Yeah. I mean, it also didn't help that, you know, our team was exhausted, which I kind of went into last post game with um with Tyrese of like our guys are playing too many minutes tonight. And I, you know, not even tonight, but um playing too many minutes yesterday afternoon. Um, if we had just like closed out things and had our guys resting for like most of the fourth quarter, I really think today would have been a, a better performance from some of our guys like Jalen Brunson and, and Julius Randle. Cause I think the jumper was short or too strong on a, on a lot of their attempts um, mainly because they're just tired. And they, those two specifically had to play 40 minutes yesterday because we couldn't close things out versus the Pistons B team. Like that type of stuff, it has residual, it has residual effects when you're not able to close out against a team that you should have blown out the other day. Um, and you know, you have to force your starters to play extended minutes. It has a residual effect when you have to play against the Raptors the next day um, on a back-to-back and you know how the style of play that the Raptors play, you know how the refs officiate their games. So, you know, it all comes back to, to, to things. Yeah, I, I do agree that the minutes are getting out of hand. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to shake the ref part of this, but you have to, um, I, I don't know how much tired leg, how, how much tired legs impacted Brunson. Like I'm not pushing back. I, I agree with you that the minutes mm-hmm. allocation is terrifying, but like Brunson was strong on his last shot, you know, like he, in, by the way, I, I, I do want to lead off with that actually about Brunson. There's two things I want to say about Brunson. One, because I've already seen multiple people who are like pretty reasonable Knicks influencers in general uh, criticize Brunson's shot. Tyrese. Yeah, that's wrong. Like it's just, it's not even like debatable. It's objectively wrong. Like, okay, so let's say he had a lob. Like if you just run the math out, it, even if you think he's 100% to get a two-pointer, which is ridiculous, by the way. We know he's not actually 100% to get a two-pointer. The Knicks were small favorites, so let's ignore all outcomes where the Raptors win in the overtime period. The Knicks will be like 50 to 52% in double overtime, so choosing to go inside the arc and get a two-pointer nets like a 52% EV. If you don't think Jalen Brunson shooting a wide-open, empty gym three-pointer is at least 50%, you're, you just don't understand how good these NBA players are at shooting, even in that moment. If you so so, they need to be a hundred percent to make a two pointer for going inside the arc to be even a neutral decision. And when you factor in the fact that he's definitely not a hundred percent, it's yeah, it, it just was absurdly the right decision. And yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, what you call it? Um, man, I lost my train of thought. What was I about to say? Oh yeah, about Brunson shot. Um, yeah, I mean, I I like that shot from Brunson. Um, I mean, he's been money from three point lately. Um, his three point shot has been cash, especially the pull up threes. Um, like people saying he should have drove into the paint, got a two, maybe get the foul. I I do not like our chances, especially the way we were officiated tonight. There were tons of times where he got into the paint, he was getting bumped, he was getting hit. He didn't get calls. So I like our chances of trying to end the game on that shot because I don't want to go to double overtime with guys going into like 60 minutes being played 
um, because that's what what it's aiming for if we're going into double overtime. Like some guys are going towards like 55 minutes to almost 60 minutes played um, off of a back to back. So I just I just I just like Brunson going for the for the end it game end game situation right there because I just do not like our chances if it goes to double overtime. And these guys, like, it's totally reasonable for Brunson to just be, like, 60% to make that three. These guys are unbelievable shooters. Um, sorry about that, by the way. Somebody asked about it in the comments, so I have to address it. Yeah, we have a cat, and he's blind, so sometimes, oh. he, gets, he, sometimes he gets a little scared, but he's fine. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I, I did want to say, so that was defensive Brunson. The second thing I want to say about Brunson is he had 29 shots, four turnovers, and two assists. At some point, we're going to have to address the fact that the Knicks don't run an offense. Like, we know Brunson can pass, but smart teams like the Raptors are going to make our stagnance and our ISO-heavy basketball seem even more absurd. Um, and tonight was a great example of it. Like, it, I think Brunson has to look to create for others more. I think he can do a better job of that but it's not a hundred percent on Brunson because he's doing exactly what the offense asks of him. It's a read and react offense and he's getting a screen, getting into the paint and nobody is moving and nobody is helping off the shooters. So the only reaction he can make is to try to create for himself or reset the possession. That's it. He's doing what's asked for him. It's a vanilla. I don't care that we're top 10 in offensive rating. We're top 10 in offensive rating because we have talented basketball players Anybody can do anybody can say, oh yeah, read and react, guys. Like we're gonna set a single high screen and do your best with it. That's not coaching. Trying to be like, oh well, we've got a top 10 offensive rating, so the coaching is working. No, it's not the coaching. It's we have talented offensive players and we're getting literally the bare minimum out of them. I don't fucking care what anybody says. This is not this is not maximizing our offensive potential. There's no movement, there's no of ball or players. There's nothing happening. It's just Brunson and Randall both carrying insanely high usages and being very impressive doing it. But if we want to actually hit the ceiling of this team, there has to be more creativity or the, of the offense or good teams are going to keep stifling, stifling this team over and over again. And we're just going to keep blowing leads like this because eventually it'll come back to bite you in games like this. And it did tonight. And it it's just going to keep happening. Yeah. I mean, this week probably won't be the week where we see this team really get tested where we see how that philosophy pans out where, you know, cause I, I definitely am of the belief that, you know, against better teams, this will not work. Um, um, we have next week, we have, we play the Cavs, we play the Celtics, we play the Nets. Um, that's going to be a real you test. Really play all three of them. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. We play, we play the Cavs on a um, Tuesday, next Tuesday on the 24th. On Thursday, we play the Celtics, and on Saturday, we play the Nets. Yeah, so it's going to be a rough end of the Jan- of end of January month, and it's really going to test this team's offense and defense how it stacks up against others. Because I mean, you put up you put up all these teams' numbers on a list like the last couple weeks. Like, yeah, we stack up with them, but like, how does it look on the court when we stack up with them? Because games aren't played on paper; they're played on court, and right. you know. I mean, maybe the, maybe against the Nets, we'll have a better chance because without KD, Kyrie's right. been pretty bad and like their offense hasn't been really good. So maybe that game, we finally get a win over the Nets in the, the middle era. But against the Celtics and the Cavs, even without, you know, I know the Celtics are without Jalen Brown, 
they'll still be a pretty good, you know, they're still a pretty damn good team. I mean, J- Jason Tatum dropped 51 today. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's really going to test this team's offense and defense versus like good teams who have good defenses that are going to be, you know, ready for what the Knicks have. And the, what the Knicks have is barely anything. Yeah. Yeah, you're you're hundred percent right. Speaking of things you were hundred percent right about, what a surprise that RJ Barrett is given some touches and clutch situations and he comes through actual things happen on the basketball court. Not only was it him or was it Randall who set up um the Grimes three that just back rim? Was it it might have been Randall, but I, I was I think I, it was Randall off of an offensive board. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, but but then he then RJ got the offensive board and then put and it back the up. Yeah, and made, made the free throws. throws. Yeah. It just seems like it can't just be Brunson and Randall trading ISOs against mismatches in those moments. And I'm not saying like, oh, have RJ hunt the mismatches. No, I'm just saying like run some weave action, run some pistol action, do something. Like just try to get other people involved because like like we were just alluding to eventually teams are going to take away your your option a they just are and we saw in 2020 <coughs> the knicks weren't able to take a punch because they didn't have a backup plan so part of the regular season is building confidence in multiple looks because eventually you're going to have to take a you're going to take a punch and how you react to that what you have as a plan b is everything in those moments and the Knicks don't have a plan B right now. In fact, they've never had a plan B under Tom Thibodeau. It's always been do plan A better. Um, and like we saw it tonight, like the Knicks went down six in overtime. And to me, it was the most obvious thing in the world to pull Mitch for quickly. Like I know Mitch is great, but they were absolutely exposing his basically need to be in the paint on defense. Because Scotty Barnes, who had no interest in shooting ever, like ever, he was he was basically being Draymond Green in the which, by the way, the fuck do people still fall for Draymond Green in the post? Like just if he's going to score, make Draymond Green score 30 points. Stop. Stop letting Clay Thompson and Steph Curry shoot all these threes off of Draymond Green in the post. It's the same. It's it's the same thing with Scotty Barnes. Like if he's going to shoot fadeaway 10 footers over R.J. Barrett. And we lose that way. It's a fine way to lose. But all he created two different wide open corner threes for OG and OB. And one where OG, where, where one where Randall just absolutely overhelped and doubled for I don't know what reason. Right. Because of our desire to send doubles to guys who don't when help is not necessary at all. Because our we Tibbs has this obsession with protecting the paint. But Sometimes it's not the correct decision to protect the paint in today's league for the same reason that Brunson hitting a pull up, shooting that pull up three was absolutely the correct decision. Sometimes you need to just stay at home and make sure they don't shoot three because guys are really, really good shooters. Um, Wow. Walker Kessler has a 2020 game, man. He's so good. Wait, I I can Walker Kessler is the jazz one, right? Yeah. Isn't there a guy named like Kessler? something Kessler, Kessler Edwards okay on the Nets yeah okay man he's he's really good Walker Kessler not Kessler Edwards yeah Walker Kessler was a great get in that Rudy Gobert deal yeah 
for sure. I, I feel like this is going to be, I, I haven't looked at the chat besides seeing at the bottom, the thing about uh, my cat. Um, I feel like this is going to be a very anti-Tibbs game. Firstly, because it just tends to be when we lose fair or unfair. That's kind of how people react. But I also just feel like he made a lot of really bad decisions at the margins at the margins tonight. Um, another example I can think of was so Grimes was really struggling with Van Vliet down the stretch. Like Van Vliet was pretty much getting wherever he wanted, whatever he wanted. And for some reason, um, Thib- oh, I know what it was. Thibodeau put quickly in to go small at the end of regulation, which was a good decision for like the, for like uh, an offensive possession. Quickly, obviously, immediately makes an impact because that's what Quickly does. And he's the one who gets fouled. Thibodeau wanted Mitch back in. I assume he was going to come back in for Quickly. But because Quickly was at the line, he couldn't pull Quickly, obviously. So he pulls Grimes instead. Very weird to me. I don't know why he didn't just pull RJ because Grimes and Quickly are clearly their two best defenders, but whatever. Um, So Quickly is forced to guard Van Vliet. Go back, anybody watching this, go back and watch those two possessions. Not only does Van Vliet not do anything, he can't even get the ball because Quickly is hounding him so much and just guarding him perfectly on those two possessions. And then Thibodeau went back to Grimes, like to close the game, he went back to Grimes on Van Vliet and had Quickly hide on Gary, not hide, but had him guard Gary Trent in the corner. And Van Vliet just got another wide open three. It was very strange to me. I didn't understand why he did that. I understood why he went with Grimes and quickly on the court. I just, there was enough evidence to me that quickly was guarding Van Vliet better than Grimes. And I'm not, I'm not sure why Thibodeau did that. Yeah, it's, it's very bizarre. Um, It's bizarre that he didn't even go like small in general to match up with the Raptors. Cause I think this was the perfect opportunity to, you know, go small with, Brunson, Grimes, quickly, RJ and Randall and just switch everything. Um, that would have been way better because like also it leaves Mitch not having to like scramble and run out to, you know, guys like OG and Anobi who are gonna take advantage of him coming at them and it's easy drive by, manipulates the defense, and then we're scrambling now instead of, you know, having five, you know, at least five competent to semi competent defenders out there that mm-hmm. would be able to, you know switch and there wouldn't be no there wouldn't be as much scrambling i think yeah i i agree i definitely should have gone small more um and then oh, man. maybe he'll learn from it yeah maybe 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 i mean if hardenstein keeps playing this way like it's not gonna matter i mean i guess he might go to i guess hardenstein wasn't that bad tonight um yeah he hasn't been that bad recently which has been a yeah. decent surprise. you know who, you know who else we should probably talk about is obi I really liked Obi's minutes tonight. That baseline jumper was brutal. Um, and I, I, I know I know the bar is not very high right now for Obi, but I thought he he battled on the defensive glass. There was one rebound in particular he got where he really, really fought for it. It was a contested rebound. Um, I mean, you, he can only do so much offensively, but I thought he looked more like himself than he has in recent memory. And this is me going to be me giving credit to Tibbs. I thought a big part of that was Tibbs's decision in the third quarter to stagger Randall and Brunson's minutes, something we've been calling for on the show for a couple weeks now. You know, he pulled, I, I mean, obviously part of that is just not trusting Deuce right now, but 
it should still be that Brunson and Randall don't play all their minutes together. They don't, they don't need to do that. And what that does is it gets Brunson some minutes with Obi to start the fourth quarter because Randall played the entire third. And first of all, Obi should already have been in. He should have came in instead of Hardenstein against this team, but we can only say that so many times. But when Brunson quickly and Obi start the fourth quarter together, now Obi's life is a little bit easier and it's not, you know, it's not as, it's, it's not as easy to guard the Knicks as it is when Deuce, Hartenstein, and Obi are all on the court, and it's just RJ and Quickly basically playing two on five. Having Brunson out there with him makes a big deal, and it's going to help Obi get his feet into the game more, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah, I also thought his minutes were pretty good today. He usually plays get well against the Raptors anyways. I mean, that was like one sticking point with me, um, I think, our first match against them. As like people are asking in the comments, like, would Obi because I think that was that was one of the first games like um where Obi was like injured and people were asking would Obi have made a difference versus the Raptors tonight and I was like well yeah I think so because you know if you just pull up Obi's game log versus the Raptors um over his career he's averaged I mean I had a post up but like um on on Twitter but yeah he's averaged pretty good numbers against them all the time are the numbers skewed though I, I mean I'm not I'm not I'm not pushing back again but no, no, they, they definitely are skewed because of the, the um that the last, last game, game last season. Yeah, but I mean, even then, I mean, he had like a nineteen and ten game versus them, um, early in early in early last season, um, and there was another game where he had like pretty good numbers versus them. So he's always played them like pretty well, um, yeah. If I can find it, actually, it was on StatMuse. I had pulled it up. StatMuse, um. Obi Toppin versus Raptors. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if you look at his last couple games, so yeah, that 42 point game, it definitely does skew things, but he had a 19 and six game, 19, six and six game versus them. Um, He had a 19 and 10 game versus them. The 42 definitely does bring up his average, but he is averaging 14.6 points per game um, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven games versus the Raptors. So, all right. Should we uh, get some yeah. comments? Or yes, uh, you have Bef- to do the uh, you have to do the read, huh? Yeah. Um. Let me find it. It should be changed now because Wild Card Weekend is over and the Giants survived. Woo! One, uh, the, the only good thing to come from today's game was I had uh Van Vliet over four and a half rebounds. That was my sharp of the day. And he got his, mm. he got his fifth rebound in overtime. So we will take it. <laughs> I guess. I, yeah. I keep putting Brunson assist on my parlays and I got to learn now that he is just not, you know, that's not going to be the case right now because. Yeah, we, we just, it's, I would love to talk to some, I would love to discuss like with like, um, like, God, I sound like an asshole here. I don't mean this as a slight to you. I mean like Benji or someone who like played college basketball or something. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you did. I don't know. You don't talk about it, but no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely um, not. I, I would love to hear his, like him just like dissect the Knicks offense, you know, and like mm. just talk about it from like a legit X's and O's standpoint, just like, there's got to be a middle ground here. There's got to be a way that we can like, even if Tibbs wants it to be a certain way, 
there has to be some form of off-ball movement that the Knicks can have. Like we've seen it under Thibodeau before. We've seen <laughs> the ball. We've seen guys move off the ball. We've seen Obi make those baseline cuts. We see quickly and Grimes relocate sometimes. Like there has to be something more we can do. Um, it's very frustrating. Definitely. All right, NBA fans, the NBA action is just getting started. And so are the incredible offers at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA pregame money line bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. Everyone can earn up to a 100% boost with DraftKings stepped up same game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, place a same game parlay and combine, combine multiple bets, like which team will win, total rebounds, total points scored, and more. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes or show description for details. All right. Let's get in to some comments all right let's pull these up um chris bernard says i love jb but i'd rather have desenga jop at the free throw line than him in the clutch man gets in his own head instead of just shooting yeah that was that was that was a brutal miss that was a brutal miss thankfully we did end up going overtime but we did lose but yeah that was a brutal miss um he's back to like missing free throws after like what he made like what 34 straight before that pistons game um so yeah i mean hopefully you know he can get back into his groove of you know making free throws again that would definitely help um randall also missed a key free throw down the stretch it was just it was just real brutal free throw shooting today once again it would have been nice if Brunson had a little bit more rhythm at the free throw line, you know, instead of having only shot two free throws the entire game. Yeah, that would it's have been almost cool. like, you know, Siakam and Van Vliet, you know, they were combined like five for 20 from the field to start the game. And it's almost like when you get to shoot free shots, you know, in the rhythm of the game, it helps you. Um, and that might sound shocking to some, but. I, I, it's like how RJ, you know, got fouled a couple of times to start the second half. Oh, would you look at that? He went from one for nine to finish the game 10 for 23. It's crazy how that works. <coughs> yeah. I'm going to, I have to say, the Diop bit is taken a little bit far. I think we'd rather have Brunson shooting free throws than Diop. You know, I, I, I appreciate the sentiment, Chris, but. That is a callback, though. Desenga Jop. That is a, that is a and name. I, I'm pretty sure he started a finals game, I think. Wow. I, I think he started for that Mavericks team. Wow. In 2006? Yeah, in 2006. Wow. Oh, man. Um, Ace Bouchard says Brunson just didn't have it tonight. Let the refs get to him. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, Brunson has been someone that's consistently got, I, I, would, I would like to say, at least seven free throws a night, probably consistently this year or at least close to it. Um, so tonight was one of those weird games where, you know, he just didn't get free throws, even though he was getting hacked and whacked in the paint. There was a lot of drives where he was getting a ton ton of contact and he was just looking back at the ref like, what what's going on? Like, 
it was just a really bad game officiating wise and you know it, it got into the heads of guys and you know it ruined some guys r- rhythm tonight too yeah i mean van vliet got free throws for elbowing brunson in the face and then after uh, we challenged it too right and brunson's just getting killed down like it's what I, I mean it's what you can you do thank god we don't have to play this we only have to play this team one more time um i hope it's like oh it's on my birthday <laughs> jesus I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna be on post game that night. By the way, I just want to. I just want to let you know. But yeah, I'm not gonna post game that night. But damn, we play them on my birthday. Oh, what a birthday treat to watch prison ball in a in a in a bar somewhere. Man, that's such a good name for it. It really is prison ball. It is like they're just like beating us up, and we're not like able to do anything about it. Literally. Yeah, it's like prison ball when like you're the bitch of the prison and they make you play a basketball game against the bullies. And then like, it's like a, ri- it's like a rigged prison game, you know? Like, yeah. It's like, like uh, it, you remember, you, you, ever see the long, you ever see the longest yard, mm-hmm. the new one with Adam Sandler. Um, yeah. <clears throat> plays that one-on-one game versus Michael Irvin, you know, and Michael Irvin's just beating the shit out of him. And he's like punching him in the face and like destroying him. And then, but Sandler's like trying to overcome it. You know, he's trying to gain the respect of that group of people. Mm-hmm. And so he's not calling fouls. And then Sandler scores to win. And Michael Irvin's like, foul, man, foul. <laughs> and he calls a foul on like for nothing. That's basically what a Raptors Knicks game is. Yeah, that's the perfect. And that's the perfect analogy for when we play the Raptors. <laughs> and I have to spend my birthday, you know, watching that. That's such a great scheduling um, idea from, <laughs> from the NBA. I love that. Well, you know, um, you've you've known for months now that Adam Silver has it out for you. So yeah, <laughs> definitely has it out for me. I kind of wish the game was at MSG so I could have gone, but you know, I'll, I guess I have to watch it somewhere else and you know, enjoy it there. Um, Ace Bouchard also says it's fun losing double digit leads late into every fourth quarter. So fun! I'm having fun in all caps. Um, yeah, I mean, we we should definitely discuss some basketball. Like, it wasn't it wasn't just we we shot what like eight less free throws than them. It's not like yeah, it's not like it was the crazy Blazers one when Jeremy Grant shot thirty free throws or whatever whatever that shit was. But so the problem with this is you can only really talk about one thing because there's only one reason why we keep blowing these leads, and it's because the offense basically just stops doing anything that was working the whole game and they basically shut it down um so i don't know until we do we're gonna keep losing leads in the fourth quarter as long as the knicks keep running their late game offense this way and like this is why i don't want to hear anybody out there who defends tibbs you can defend tibbs for plenty of things because the knicks fan base is too hard on him already i mean we're part of a podcast that's probably or post-game show that's almost certainly too hard on him but you can't say oh well that's just the nba these days and everybody runs iso we just watched another team that was being methodical and intelligent with how they ran their offense specifically attacking the weakness of the knicks defense their head coach said oh i know that if we get a guy in the paint they will overhelp and we'll get looks so even though that might have looked like iso ball, it was iso ball with a purpose. It was exploiting a it was exploiting a weakness in the teeth of the team defense. It wasn't exploiting a mismatch. Those are two very very different things. It was I know the chink in this armor, and I'm going to attack that. 
and they created ball movement out of that action. The Knicks never do that. Their version of attacking a weakness is basically what LeBron does. And like, I'm a LeBron truther or whatever. I don't, you know, love him. Like, but I think he's the greatest basketball player of all time. That's my personal opinion. But watching him down the stretch of games is unbearable because all he does is have somebody who's got a weak defender on him call for a screen. And, but guess what? He makes it work. He's LeBron James. He's, you know, he has some of the best last two minute stats of all time. Of course, that's what he should do because he's LeBron James. We don't have LeBron James. We have Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle. We have to do other things. We just have to. So maybe one day we'll get a guy as good as LeBron James and Thibodeau can finally run late game offense the way he thinks is best. But until then, we have to do something different. Sorry for the long rant. <laughs> no, nah, I totally get it. Um, yeah, but I mean, it's the same thing every every fourth quarter. <coughs> we're losing leads. Every fourth quarter, we're doing the same thing. I mean, you just keep you keep banging your head into the wall, thinking that you're going to go through, and you're not. Like that's basically what the Knicks do every game. Um, and you know, sometimes it works because you know quality of opponent that definitely helps things. I mean, hey, we did it versus the Pistons yesterday. The Pistons absolutely reek of piss and shit, so it worked. But this was not the Pistons versus today with the Raptors. Raptors have much more capable NBA players than the than the Pistons, despite their what their record may say, despite you know everything surrounding their team. But you know that type of offense is not going to work against defenses that are you know specifically schemed a certain way. Um, especially with Nick Nurse and the way he tries to you know do things um it's just not gonna work and you know it almost worked today but you know it didn't so we're talking about it and you know it's been something that's been a consistent issue because we're consistently blowing leads every single game literally it's literally happening every single game like i cannot remember the last game where we didn't blow a lead i literally cannot can you I can't think of a single game this season where we like ran away and hid with a lead. The closest game I can think of is the Suns game. Yeah, that was it. Literally. That's it. And like, I'm pretty sure that we were up 30 in the first half. And there was a moment in the second half when they like cut it to 17 or 16. And I was like, Oh God. And then, (laughs) but we eventually pulled away. But I think that's about as close as we've come to like running away and hiding with a win. Yeah, um, we we are a team that just cannot, you know, imagine all the games we would win if we held a lead. We'd yeah. be like top five record in the league, probably. Yeah, I mean, what, we, can add this, we can add this to the list. What do we got? We got the Bulls game. The Bulls and Mavericks games are in like a league of their own. Those were like 95% equity plus. Well, I mean, Mavericks is 99.9. Those two games... We never should have lost. But then, I mean, how many losses now do we have? The Hawks game? Bucks. The Bucks game. What happened? Did we the just Bucks game up? recently, we had a lead in the third. Um, we were up 16. Okay. Man, I didn't realize we were up 16 in that game. Oh, yeah, that was the Ingles game. Yep, oh. the Joe Ingles game. Oh, my God. I like how we can just say a name of a role player, you know, like the Joe Ingles game, the Jeremy Grant game, the Tim Hardaway game, the, you know, Georges Niang game on Christmas. <laughs> it's Every just... single game. There's a name for it. Oh man. Today was the Scotty Barnes game. Yeah. Who played like shit the first two times we played against him. 
So he had a one for ten game and a two for ten game. I mean, he's been pretty bad all year, but you know. Yeah, I was about to say he's been bad all year. I love how he's just able to like chirp and taunt us in 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 overtime, and like literally the refs were standing there and just didn't call a technical. Did you see the video? Like the video that came out on Twitter, it it revealed what he was saying. Oh yeah, I just I quote tweeted it. Yeah. I t- I said someone tell Scotty to pull up his game log this year. <laughs> it's pretty bad. I'd wipe my ass with it. I mean, he's a grown adult who still goes by Scotty, so I guess we should. It's understandable that he's. Yeah, go by Scott like a real man. To use his own lingo, not him. Whatever. Yeah, go by Scott like a real man. Grimes is better <laughs> than him, anyways. Man, Grimes. If Grimes hit that three, whew, MSG would have exploded after that. Um, that offensive rebound by Randall. Yeah, you you know what's you know what's like makes me sick as like a Knicks fan is I actually after how awful that whole experience was of blowing the lead and then feeling like we were out of it. And then the RJ dunk, which was amazing, which somehow we haven't like have underrated so far in this, but that was amazing by RJ. Yeah. Um, That was a great dunk. I mean, yeah, he probably got fouled too. He definitely Um, did. I mean, he's getting um, held on his shoulder. I mean, that's another example. They gave Siakam the M one in overtime to go up six on the same dunk, like same contact. But Randall had another dunk where he dunked on someone, and that should have been an and one as well. Yep, exactly. Um, but through that whole thing, I was sure that Brunson three was going in. I was just oh for sure. I was so confident. Um, oh man, I wanted that to fall really bad. I mean, here's the thing, and I know this sucks like to think about it like this, but it's a good thing that the Knicks are, are all right. Let me rephrase. It's not a good thing. The Knicks are blowing these leads, but it's a good thing that the Knicks are in every game they play or like winning every game they play. Like this is a good basketball team. Do they have to fix something? Do they have to fix some things at the margins? Absolutely. They do. And that's going to determine what the ceiling for this team is. But there are worse problems to have than to be a good to very good basketball team with seven guys under the age, well, five guys in your rotation under the age of 24 and then Brunson and Randall as your, your vets, you know, like, and I'm not even including Hardenstein because, you know, I think he's going to get replaced by Sims soon enough, but like we're doing all of this on the back of, so we've got, Brunson and Randall, but then we've got RJ, Quickly, Mitch, Obi, and Grimes. That's this is a good problem to have. Like this is a good team, and there's a ceiling here that I think is very real. Um, so as hard as it is to be rational and to not be annoyed about it all, I do think that we can feel better about this than like losing heartbreakers in lost seasons, you know. Yeah, it definitely is, you know, very encouraging. But it also puts it, it puts the thought into your head like, man, just imagine if we like win these, imagine if we close these games out, how much better in a position that we would be in. The, the other positive I can see of this is that, you know, it forces the Knicks to be in crunch time situations a bunch, which hopefully they will learn from and come playoff time if they get into these situations as well. They know what they can do, they know what not to do. Um, and, you know, hopefully they can start relying on other people more. I mean, like I said before, like I said earlier in the season, RJ Barrett in crunch time, he is probably the Knicks most reliable option 
even more reliable than Jalen Brunson because Jalen Brunson has the little free throw thing that he has at the end of the games. Um, and he's missed a couple shots here and there, but RJ Barrett, he's been the Knicks best, best player in crunch time. Um, he, he was that last year. He's shown in various moments when he can't, when he does have the ball this year. I mean, we saw today he got the rebound and just drove it all to the, all the, all the way to the paint and almost got an and one dunk to, to, to win the game almost. But yeah, I mean, he's been the Knicks best player. I think the Knicks should utilize that more. Like it doesn't, like you said before, it doesn't always have to be JB and, and Randall. It is interesting because I feel like RJ is kind of like for this specific skill set, like the perfect hybrid of Brunson and uh, Randall. Like he's not as big as Randall and he's not as skilled as Brunson, obviously with the ball in his hand but he's bigger than Brunson is and he's more skilled than Randall is in those like going downhill and like with Mm -hmm. his footwork and stuff like that. And so like you kind of get a mix of what are the best things about Brunson and Randall in these moments is like, you love Brunson's skill and his ability to get to his spot, but that becomes a bit more exploitable when fouls are called less often and the Raptors will do something that they hadn't done all game and just throw OG on him. You know, OG wasn't guarding Brunson all game, but for the last few minutes he was. And then what do you know? (laughs) You combine OG who's an elite wing defender with the refs swallowing their whistles, which they do. This is, that wasn't a complaint. They do it at the end of every game pretty much. Um, And they should, I think, I think they should. Yeah. And the game shouldn't be decided by refs. Yeah, I agree. Um, And Brunson's, you know, ISO balls are, are, they're going to be less effective. And then Randall's sort of the opposite in that he knows he's not going to get calls. So he doesn't really use his size and he kind of just settles for a lot of step backs and like mid range jumpers. And you kind of get the worst of him in those moments too. And so RJ has like the skill of, or somewhat of the skill of Brunson to get two spots and then the size of Randall approaching the size of Randall's is sort of like create space. And I think that's why he is most effective of our players in those moments. And we should probably utilize that more. Definitely. Right, let's get to another comment. Um, Jordan Bub. He says, I feel both games that we had against the reps at home. I feel like they were more schedule losses and refs handing the raps than the win. Um, the wraps the win than anything. Yeah, definitely. This game was definitely a, it was a combination of a schedule loss in the refs handing the wraps the win. I mean, yesterday we had two guys play like 40 minutes. Like that was pretty insane. And then here they are on the second night of a back to back going into an overtime game. So definitely schedule loss plays into plays a huge part into that, I think. Yeah. Totally. I mean, I totally agree. And like, just to sort of kind of zoom out because that's how I think about things and look at them from a macro perspective. This was always going to become an issue. You can't have Brunson, Randall and RJ playing 40 plus minutes a night without consequences. So like, yeah, it stinks that it was a back to back, but eventually they're going to have to face this because we need to have games where like early in the season, there were games where Randall wasn't even playing 30 minutes because 
Obi was playing well enough. We were staggering. We were doing all these things. I don't understand what the switch was that went off in Tibbs' head that was like, we're going to die for every game and I'm never breaking these two up and I'm not even going to try to maximize my bench or do anything more. Like, I don't understand this, this, we just look like in every way, a totally different team, both in good and bad ways. And I, I wish we'd find that middle ground, um, particularly with rotating players and reducing minutes and sort of having a more democratic um, minutes allocation. Cause I think it'll help the team in the long run. It's funny too. Cause <clears throat> before the game, I think that he said Dibs had said that, you know, he was trying to like ease RJ back in because of his conditioning and whatnot. And like, you see tonight his minutes load is just like, Oh, that's not really easing him back in. Um, you know, I guess I guess Dibs, you know, thought he needed RJ out there for as much as possible. And, you know, shout out to RJ. He came through and we needed him the most with that huge dunk. Once again, that's I've just searched RJ's name on Twitter and all I can see is that dunk. And I will retweet every single one of them on the timeline. So if you're following, just prepare to see a spam of RJ Barrett poster dunks to tie the game. I hate how this team isn't able to capitalize on RJ signature moments, by the way. I want to say that. Every time RJ has a signature moment, except for the game winner versus Boston, we have never come through and like won the game for him. Like the 40, the, the both 40 plus point games we lost. Like, I just feel like we should like, you know, be able to win these games where, you know, RJ has like a magical moment in MSG or something. So that way we can like really remember it. I mean, us as Knicks fans, we're always going to remember them, but like they become more memorable if they're remembered in a win. I think he's got the walk off against Boston yeah but that's like i said yeah i said besides that one because mm-hmm. that one is of course you know that one was to win the game but like every other ge- game where he's had like a signature moment like this game where he had the dunk and then the bulls game where he dropped 44 and he had that poster on nikola vucevic and then the miami game last year where he had 46 and he had that step back at halftime at the halftime buzzer basically um it's like yeah we have all these signature moments for him but like we can't win them that pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't disagree with you. I, I just think we're kind of, we just need to do better by RJ in general. You know, like. Definitely. It, man, I, I, I do feel like Randall and Brunson have really, for good and for bad, have really basically put the onus on this team on them. Because there was a play late in the game when Brunson drove. It, oh, it was the one when he, uh, you know, he he attempted that layup and it went over the backboard, and he was sure he got fouled. Mm-hmm. Both quickly and RJ in the in the week on the weak wing, and they were both wide open. Like the 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 Raptors basically sold out to stop Brunson, and. They're just not making easy passes right now. Neither of them are. I know Randall had like seven assists tonight. Um, I actually thought Randall played a really good game. I see him getting some flack on Twitter. Um, I thought he had every right to be incredibly frustrated. He, I mean, he's like basically the mellow of our team now in terms of like he, because he's so big and athletic, he's taking contact that nobody else is and not getting whistles. And then to be on the other end and watch this other team get paraded to the free throw line for less contact, you know, because they're selling it better. 
it's just got to be incredibly frustrating. And I thought he played some really bad defense on some possessions. Um, but I, I just, I still think he's trying to do the, a lot of the right things. I just wish him and Brunson were a little bit more proactive in terms of getting the entire team involved. And we'll see how that plays out, you know, over the next week or two with, like you said, the schedule getting much tougher. I think they got so used to playing without RJ for that like stretch. They're kind of like still trying to adjust to him being back. Um, and- it is it is a good point because I do feel like both look for quickly more than RJ. Like I do feel like they have better chemistry, especially Brunson. I feel like Brunson has Brunson is always looking for quickly. I, I think he he loves quickly. Um, and I just think they should be looking to get Grimes and RJ involved just as much. Yeah, I mean, the right type of coach gets runs the right plays to get, you know, all these guys involved. So that way we have like five offensive weapons that we can utilize properly instead of, you know, two going off one night and, you know, another one maybe popping off two or so. But like, we're never able to like maximize all five of our, our five best offensive players on a night to night basis, which I think we should do a better job of doing. Um, let's get to some more comments. Um, JL earlier was, was saying, um, Brunson isn't really a good lob passer either. Um, in terms of, I guess, like finding Mitch there. Also, it's like pressure Sachua was on him. It wasn't like he had like Fred Van Vliet on him down low down there. It's like pressure Mm -hmm. Sachua is pretty big. Um, so like he throws that lob and like say pressure Sachua like tips it out. Game's over and we didn't even get like a really quality look in my opinion. Right. So once again, I think the three was fine. Yeah, I I would be like, even if you give them like 80 percent. OK, so what's 80 percent of 50 percent? It's um, God, math. So it's 40 percent or no, that's 90. It's I'm being really stupid right now. Oh, yeah, it's 40 percent. Jesus Christ. Um, So, OK, so they're 40 percent to win. So for the three to be better, Brunson has to be 40% or better on a wide open pull up three. Like it's not close. Like it's just, it's not close. And I won't, I won't entertain anyone who tries to give like non-logical and more emotional or more anecdotal reasons for why going for two is better because the math just doesn't add up. It just, it, it wouldn't make, it's just not as good a play to go for a two there than it is to, try to win the game right there. You can win the game right there. And unless you're a really bad three point shooter, you will win the game more often. That's the goal of the game. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like in sports, people really, really over rely on safe, safe things. So like, like in almost playing not to lose sort of way. Like, so because a two goes in more often than a three, you feel better about the result because even if you lose in double overtime, at least you controlled that two pointer. And that's just so illogical. Like that's just, that's not what you should be doing or how you should be thinking about it. Um, I just, I don't know, it's, it's bothering me that so many people are, and I feel like I've been more critical of Brunson than anyone this season because I, I, I don't feel like he's been like, Oh, this savior point guard. I just think he's been a really good basketball player. But I, I think he made I not think I know he made the right decision there. And I hope anyone listening can just believe that. 
Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not going to be too hard on Brunson after that shot. You know, I tweeted out. I said, great look, Brunson, today. Or, like, good look, great look, JB. Um, he's someone that's coming time and time again. And he was trying to win the game. So, you know, don't. I, I'm not too mad at it. Um, let's see what other comments we got here. Um, Q Scroll BK says, not calling that foul on RJ's dunk is exhibit A when explaining the difference between having a star player in the building and not. A LeBron or KD led team gets that call. I, I definitely agree there as well. Um, but also we saw last night a LeBron led team didn't get a call late in the game. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna I was gonna push back a little bit on LeBron. Um, again, I'm like a little biased here, but I feel like he's one of the most poorly ref players, like in the history of the, the NBA, like with Shaq, he just makes all contact look normal. So like, I know there's like videos of him like, Oh, he's a flopper, yada, yada. But like, there's way, way more examples of him getting just pulverized and not getting a whistle. Um, I agree with Katie. Katie's basically a Siakam who his he flails a lot and he's very scrawny. So he's the opposite of LeBron. Every piece of contact looks, you know, I don't know though. I, I will say, I, I will say also to, uh, to push back a little bit and we thank you for the comment. I think one thing is the difference in game situations. Like I think the refs, because we saw, like I said earlier, we saw Siakam dunk it, get hit and get a foul. Um, I don't know if it's perfectly apples to apples because of the game situation. Like a ref's not just going to give an and one dunk in that moment too often. So I don't know. Um, I'm sort of being wishy-washy here. I, I perfectly, I, I absolutely believe the refs were awful and played a huge part in the Knicks losing. But in the moment of that RJ dunk, I wasn't thinking, I personally wasn't thinking like, oh, he got hacked. It took seeing a replay and being like, holy shit, how did they miss that foul call for me to be like, oh. <coughs> Sam, when you saw it live for the first time, did you think he – were you immediately like, oh, he got fouled too, or did you need to see the replay? I, first, I was, like, extremely hype. But, like, um, yeah, I definitely thought it was a foul. Because, like, Scotty was, like, with him step for step, and RJ basically put him in the basket. And, like, I saw – I saw it, like, two times that Scotty hit him. I saw the first time where, like – he hit him like trying to block it, but like when I saw the replay, I saw oh oh he also grabbed his arm his his arm too his shoulder too. So I was like oh that's like two missed calls there. Awesome, um, but yeah, um, yeah, I definitely. I can't, thought. I can't believe his whole hand was just on his shoulder. Like you definitely, it's crazy. You don't see that in real time, or I didn't see it in real time. I was just like, it's just nonsense. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that we didn't get that, I mean. It wasn't really a surprise to me because like we weren't getting anything all night, so it was like, oh, just another you know mixed mixed call, missed call that we had to put in on the list, and we'll see on the last two minute report tomorrow how you know you know that irrelevant ass report that oh it was a foul, and all the other mixed missed calls that they had. It's just that one's crazy because that one, that literally ends the game. Like we're talking about how Brunson's three ends the game. Like that 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 if RJ makes free throw, it's just game over. But yeah. Oh. Um, H22 says <laughs> kills me how Ev Fred Van Vliet only balls out against us man just I, I want I want folks to venture and look at Fred Van Vliet's you know game log 
I was uh, I was in a spaces before the game, Sam, mm-hmm. and I, I'm gonna have to probably record it and post it on Twitter because I went on like a two minute rant. Like somebody somebody brought up trading for Josh Richardson. They were like, we were talking about uh, potential Knicks trade targets, and somebody brought up Josh Richardson, and I was like, I gotta be honest, I have a vendetta against Josh Richardson because I've watched the Spurs these last two weeks. And that guy made more shots against the Knicks than he has in the last two weeks. And I hate that. And I went on this whole rant about how sick I am of all these guys just playing the Knicks, shooting their shooting out of this world for them, and then never making anything against other teams. And this is just another example of it. Like, I don't it has to be it's just such bullshit. It's so frustrating. You look at our you look at Fred Van Vliet's game log, it's literally hilarious. So today he has 33. Mm-hmm. On the 14th versus the Hawks, he had three points. <laughs> then two, then back-to-back games versus Charlotte, he has 11 points each. Then versus Portland, he has 14. Before that game is a game versus the Knicks, he has 28 points. Then he has 28 versus the Bucks, another game before us. Then he had nine versus the Pacers. Then he had four versus the Clippers. Then he had 18 versus the Cavs. And before that, he had 28 versus us. What kind of insane game log is this? He's just like, he just, I guess they just don't like us. I don't know. Like, good for them for winning. Like, literally, he's only went off versus us and the Bucks. That's it. He's been absolutely dog piss <laughs> since the new year started. I mean, he's been dog pissed all year, but like specifically since the New Year started, he's been absolutely terrible. And he only goes off versus us and the Bucks that one time he played them. It's yeah, absolutely I mean, insane. I guess just like good for them for winning their finals. I don't, I don't know. I mean, this I would have taken, I, I would, I would have taken immense pride in getting to be the team that like blew them up for good. But like, let's be honest, trades are trades are probably coming regardless, right? um so but uh, yeah his game log is absolutely insane i just want people to see that because like when people (laughs) say like when we say that like guys are only going off against us like we're not lying like it's literally fact at this point (laughs) it's insane um jordan bub says we need to get more bench depth as we get closer to trade says trade deadline huh hilarious but trade deadline um, and Obi needs to round into form in a hurry. Um, yeah, I mean, bench depth is lacking. Bench depth was actually a strength of ours these last couple of years. So it's very odd to see this flip flop as, you know, the team looks better. But like, it's mainly because the starters are playing so much that like, but like the bench is like so lacking. Like we definitely need someone out there to help IQ um in those minutes with like at least just scoring um because like that's something that like that's when that's when the raptors i think starts like pull away earlier in the game is when our bench was in um mm-hmm. so it's definitely it hasn't been a positive for us this year our bench yeah if the raptors only want a protected first for plus matching salary for gary trent I think that's the play. And we heard Tyrese talk about it, you know, a week or so ago, how it would be good for the cap sheet long-term, 
how his contract will be a a potential piece in a trade for if we ever want to make the trade for you know a star we'll have a guy who's only 23 making close to 20 million a year who we can match the salary with you know um and who will help if we want to toss in some young guys like he he'll be a good contract to have but more importantly for this team he's a good player like we saw tonight he's a knockdown shooter who can do stuff off the dribble he's got good size he's six five and he's only 23, so he fits our timeline too. You know, like if he, who knows, you know, you come to the Knicks and you overachieve, all of a sudden he could just be a part of the solution as well. So I think he would be a good answer. Um, You know, I don't know what else we'd have to give up, but I, I would be willing to part with a protected first plus matching salary to get Gary Trent on this team. You're muted. Yeah, I was muted because I was like coughing up my my lungs, but um, I definitely think that he Gary Trent definitely helps that you know that bench solution. Um, he's someone that you know he's not going to be forced to like start or anything. Like the Knicks will be forced to start him, which would be the issue with trading for some other guys that the Knicks are talking about, or at least he would detract from minutes from a lot of other guys that are on the team. Um, um. A lot of those other candidates would at least, but I think he would slot in, you know, probably take away minutes from Deuce, maybe, I would say. Yeah. Um, just because Deuce has been struggling offensively and the defense hasn't been really hasn't really been that much of a to the point where it's like it warrants keeping him on the court to where his yeah. offense is a detriment. So yeah. And I think in addition to that, one more key with Gary Trent is that he's a two-three hybrid. Um, a lot of these guys we're talking about, like Caruso, I, I, I'm one of Caruso's biggest fans, so like I couldn't find myself to be mad if we traded for him, or like, but like him or Eric Gordon. The issue with them for me is that they're one twos, and so like, okay, yeah, it's nice to have a guy who Tibbs might trust a little bit more than Deuce, who can cut back on Brunson's minutes. But even if you cut Brunson's minutes back by, let's say Tibbs cuts it from 42 to 34, which is already pushing it. Yeah. And then cuts back on Deuce's six minutes. Like, are we really trading for Eric Gordon or Caruso to play 14 minutes a game? I would be very surprised if that was the case. No. Minutes are going to come from quickly. They're going to come from Grimes. And I don't think any Knicks fan should want that. I think that as bad as we want wins this season, like it's for the best of this franchise for Grimes and quickly to keep playing as much as they can. Um, and RJ too. I mean, ironically, I think RJ is actually playing a little bit too much now, but that's not like RJ hate. It's because he played 50 minutes tonight. Like he's playing an absurd amount of minutes. So yeah, there's like a middle ground there, but I, I, I do think that it would be better to have Gary Trent or someone of his position come in and maybe let RJ play 36 minutes a night, you know, 35 minutes a night and then get the minutes from there. You know, then all of a sudden we're getting Deuce's minutes. We're getting a few of Brunson's minutes and we're getting a few of RJ's minutes as opposed to, you know, quickly who's playing less than RJ already taking from him or taking from Grimes. So I think a two, three hybrid is where we should be looking to improve. Definitely, you want to dispel some of those those wing minutes um, from RJ. 
Um, all right. <coughs> um, let's see what other comments we have. As Arthur says, Dibs would rather run Randall and Brunson into the ground on a Sunday afternoon in Detroit rather than give them rest knowing that we have a division game the next afternoon against a real team. Um, I think that's just a symptom of the team just like blowing a 20-point lead in the first half versus the Detroit Pistons B team. Um, so like he hadn't I don't want to say he had no choice to, but like you know what Dibs is gonna do in those situations. He's gonna play the starters a ton um because the bench didn't have it, and you know. That's what we got. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I'm a little bit less willing to give Tibbs an out there because to me, it's another like Tibbs self-fulfilling prophecy because we saw today, as me and you talked about earlier, OE minutes look better with Brunson out there. Like the bench minutes would look better if they were more intermixed with other starters, if there was more staggering. Deuce can play 15 minutes a night in this league. I promise you we can. I, I know he's he doesn't have his confidence right now offensively. He yeah, he's passed off right now. Yeah, he passed on an open catch and shoot three in the corner. And I think that was just it for Tibbs. Like he was just like, dude, if you're not gonna shoot, you're killing us out there offensively. That's not Tibbs's fault. But Deuce would get more and better looks if he was if some of his minutes were with Mitch and Randall. Like that's just the nature of basketball. If you play with better players, your life is easier, whether you're an initiator or not. The deuce minutes would look more bearable if there was better staggering going on. Instead, we have three guys who are all struggling right now off the bench in Deuce, Hardenstein, and Obi. And Tibbs is like, yeah, you guys are all struggling. Uh, I'm just going to play you guys only together. Good luck out there. And like, of course, those minutes are going to look bad. Of course, those minutes are going to look bad. And so... What happens? Tibbs plays them together. They look bad. And then we start to blow leads and it's, oh, I got to go back to the starters. So yes, Tibbs going back to the starters is defensible, but let's make no mistake about it. It's the result of a series of dominoes that Tibbs puts into motion. So while he can't be blamed for Deuce and Obi and Hardenstein not playing to their potential and not playing as well as he should have, when they're on the court together, he can be blamed for only playing them together and not allowing them to potentially flourish with other, other players. Like that is the solution right now. The solution isn't, Oh, well, I'll just wait for a trade and for better players or, Oh, I'll just run our starters into the ground. The solution is to find other potential answers. That's what every other coach in the league would do. Except for Nick nurse, apparently who's basically just Canadian tips. I don't even know if he's Canadian, but he coaches in Toronto, so he's basically Canadian to me. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be a greater. The team is too good to ha- not have greater lineup variance. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Yep. And we just have so many lineup. Like, it's starting to feel like the end of last season when we talked about all the meat on the bone and the potential lineups that we could be running that we're just not running. You know, like... And Deuce and Obi can be a part of those lineups. Like, those are things that could happen. It doesn't have to just be some combination of these six guys forever because it's not going to work. Yeah, it basically feels like a six-man rotation, especially when it gets to crunch time. It's like, all right, swap out Grimes for IQ or swap out IQ for RJ. And it's just like, all right, 
rolling from here or maybe like Hartenstein for Mitch, depending on like the foul situation or whatever. But like, yeah, it's basically like a six man rotation once it gets to the fourth quarter. Yep, for sure. Um, JL says we haven't lost a game by double digits since December 3rd, which I guess is good because we it shows that we are competitive, but it's also painful as to lose all these close games. Definitely is. You're just hoping that the team learns from it. Um, so far they haven't because <laughs> they keep doing the same shit over and over and over again. But you're hoping that something, you know, whether in the coaching, whatever it may be, you're just hoping that they, you know, something sticks with this team and, you know, they're able to, you know, change I mean, things. And yeah. I, I mean, you'd, you'd hope eventually a comfort builds. Um, and I think it is. But at the same time, it has to be human nature. Like, if you're Jalen Brunson going to the free throw line or Julius Randle going to the free throw line, how is a small part of you not thinking like, oh boy, here we go again? I don't know. Like, if they're able to block that out of their heads, good for them. Because I know that every time they go to the free throw line, I'm thinking it. So like, and every I'm, fan, uh, every fan donning orange and blue is thinking, here we go again. <laughs> right, and they have to actually shoot the shots and do the stuff like i know they are almost certainly not almost certainly they're definitely mentally tougher than all of us that's how they got to the place they got to but at the same time i do they're they're still human um so i mean it can really only go one of two ways either they build scar tissue and they get better or they get worse because the the ghosts and the skeletons in the closet keep building yeah. All right, let's see what other comments we have going on. Um, um JL says the Lakers loss in overtime last year was another signature moment from RJ lost. Very good point. Very good point. Um he had that dunk um over Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook to tie the game i think it was right no it was to like bring it to within three and then he had and then he had the and then he had the three to tie it yeah that was that was a again another situation of rj being super clutch yeah (laughs) like for him to be able to do that type of stuff you know and were we up 25 in that game (laughs) (laughs) uh i think that was the game quickly played seven minutes yes benched him Yep. So it so it had the big three. It had RJ being clutch. It had Tibbs being a bad coach, and it had a blown lead. It's the Knicks big All, three. Uh, the Knicks, you know, big three, the staple. <laughs> that's their staples of this the, oh, of the Tibbs God. regime. But yeah, I mean, that was another situation where we shouldn't have even you know been in. And yeah. RJ, you know, once again coming it coming up clutch. You know, that's just what RJ does as much as, you know, the fan base will be as harsh on him. And sometimes it's warranted because myself, I was harsh on him earlier this year and it was warranted because he was having a very rough stretch. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm always someone that's always like, hey, he should have the ball at the end of games, I think, because, you know, rela- relying on two guys all the time. It it, it makes us, it ma- it's not only like just like stagnant and like it, it makes us very predictable. And the last thing you want to be in this league is predictable. Yeah. Yeah, we should run more of that pistol that gets him going downhill. 
or like a double drag screen, you know, dribble handoff to him. I don't know if I would love it if he was just doing the Brunson thing and like, you know, running high pick and roll. I don't think he's there yet, but I'm open to him proving me wrong. That's for sure. Anything but what we've been seeing. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Let's see what other comments we have. Uh, Martin B says it's crazy how RJ can throw up bricks for three quarters, but as soon as the fourth quarter starts, it's a tight game. He is Michael Jordan, even from the line. Randall, other way around. Yeah, I mean, Randall's like one of the last people on this team I want to have the ball in the fourth quarter unless it's like literally under the basket with like a free dunk or something. Because like I know where this team is going to feed him from. It's going to be like the mid post. It's like a, it's going to be like a pick and roll with a, a post up in the mid post by the free throw line. Um, and you know, we know how it goes. It's either going to be like a turnover or you know, contested shot. But it's not going to be a quality look most of the time. So. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Um, let's see. People are saying, um, quickly played only twenty one minutes in an overtime game. I think it's mainly due to the foul trouble. He had like five fouls. Um, yeah, he still should have played more. Yeah, I think so too. Especially in that for, in that overtime where you know we could have been switching everything. Yeah. Um, all right, so we have the last couple of comments before we end things off. So <coughs> Jordan Bub asks, who would be more affordable for the Knicks, Gordon Hayward or Gary Trent Jr. or Malik Beasley? Um, Gordon is probably the most available just because, like, what are what do they, what can they get for him? Like his contract's not great and he's never healthy. It's clear. They probably don't want him on the team. (laughs) I don't know. I'd imagine he's the most available. I don't think the Knicks should. I mean, I do like his player fit. I just not super psyched about acquiring someone who can't stay healthy and is on the wrong side of 30. Um, and then I would bet that Beasley is the second most available. Um, but again, he's he's only he's like six four. I don't know. I mean, maybe Tibbs would use him as an undersized wing, like he kind of uses Deuce right now. But I I think Gary Tran is the least available. But at the same time, I think given what his asking price is, he should be the most available to the Knicks because while a protected first is a lot for other people, the Knicks have so many of them that they can, they can live parting with one. If it nets them, nets them someone who will clearly help them like Gary Tramble. Yeah. I'm good on Gordon Hayward. I'm completely good on him. <laughs> like, Holy shit. Keep that guy far away from New York. <laughs> um, I remember that when we were about to, there was a point in free agency where like we were going to like sign him right before he signed with the Hornets. It was like, all right, we didn't get Ferdinand Vliet, but so our backup plan is uh, Gordon Hayward. I was like, whoa, what the hell are the Knicks doing right now? I think um, we threw the bag at him too, but the, the, yeah. the Hornets found like a second bag. <laughs> I think 
the heavens that the Hornets did because dealing with Gordon Hayward and what he's doing on this contract, it's like a ch- it's it's very like Chandler Parsons light. It's Chandler Parsons light. It is man that Parsons video that came out the other day was funny where he was like, yeah, I put on my best acting performance. Did you see that? No. Oh man, he was telling a story about his signing his contract with the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. and his agent came in and was like. All right, well, I guess we're going to have to take this Blazers contract, which has all these injury provisions and it's protected and you're not going to, you you know, they knew, they, they knew, you know, what was going on. And then the agent was like, holy shit, the Grizzlies want to offer you the bag. And he's like, you just got to like, you got to play it up. And so Parsons like, yeah, man, I walk in there and I put in like this Oscar worthy performance is like, you know, I've never felt better in my entire life. And like he basically just was bragging about how hard he lied to the Grizzlies and how he swiped them. Man, he absolutely robbed the shit out of them <laughs> after he absolutely robbed the shit out of the Mavericks. It was just like he like back to back like robberies. Um, But yeah, it's I was so- I was shocked when he got that contract from the Grizzlies. Yeah, I mean, the first one didn't shock me as much. Who the 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 Mavericks one? Because he was really good in Houston, and mm-hmm. like, and that he he, I mean, just because it didn't work out well, we shouldn't pretend Parsons wasn't like an ideal role player at that time. You know, he could shoot, yeah. he could defend. This was back when three and D was like a real thing because defenses weren't as good. So like, literally, like you just needed to space. You didn't really need to be able to do much off the dribble. And yeah, I mean. Stinks didn't work out for him, but he was a good player when he was when he was able to play. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, he Gordon Hayward reminds me of him on this situation in the Hornets, so I'm totally good off him. Malik Beasley, he's he's very much like a streaky guy. Um, I've you know checked out his game logs a couple times because you know you never know when you want to bet on someone on the Jazz, you know, just in case Lowry's out or Clarkson's out. So you know, I'm always looking for stuff like that. But yeah. I know you, you you might need some help, man. If you're sweating game locks. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Gary Trent, he's like someone that's always he's more available. Availability is the best ability. Um, I think one thing that the Knicks have, you know, always been at least good with is having players like consistently available. I think the one time that we've had real injury concerns is this year with the stretch that with with Jalen Brunson, OB, and RJ being out. Um, and then that stretch where like everyone caught COVID on the team. Um, but other than that, this team has been relatively healthy. They've all been relatively available. So yeah, I mean, I, I would go for Gary Trent because I think he's someone that fits the bill of what, what this team needs and, and what this team like looks for in players too. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. Um, next game is Wednesday versus the Wizards. We are still in MSG. Hopefully we can win a home game. Um, I mean, it's crazy how these games make you feel because I'm terrified about this game now. I am too. Like the Wizards have good players. They can't, can't deny the Wizards have good players. Kyle Kuzma is a good player. Staff's revenge game. Like we know, we know Corey Kispert's going to come in and he's hitting at least four threes. That guy, he, like that guy, is gonna nail some threes. I'm sure Beal. Like, what what did you always say early in the season? Like, playing at MSG is like the perfect healing potion. I'm sure Beal will just be healthy 
for the first time in months, you know, like I, I'm terrified about this game and it's like almost a must win. If we lose two in a row and then what do we have? We have at Atlanta at Toronto to close the week, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's we have not Cleveland. Cra- it's, not crazy to think, it's not crazy to think about going on for this week. If, if we don't take care of business against Washington, in my opinion. I mean, I like our chances at Atlanta just because, like, we play better on the road and, like, Atlanta's been a team that's, like, really been fluctuating throughout the year. So I do like our chances in that game. But at Toronto, on my birthday, I just, like, (laughs) I have such a bad feeling, man. Nick's on my birthday, man. It's just, it's just never, it's never a good thing. I, I didn't mean to say that I would bet on the Knicks going on four for what it's worth. I'm just saying. No, no, but like, like there's a good chance. I, I definitely feel you there. There's definitely a good chance that they do. And like, that's how losses like this make you feel, you know, like it makes you feel like the world world is falling apart. And it's like, all right, we're still 25 and 20. Like they'll still be close to 50% to win both the at Atlanta and at Toronto game. Like, it's okay. The sky isn't falling, but right now it certainly feels like, but it's also the way that they lose too. Yep. The way that they lose the games too that makes you feel that way. Um, and yeah, the Wizards, like Bradley Beal says he's out on the injury report now, but you know, that can definitely change because we've seen injury reports change last minute versus the Knicks all the time in the most wonderful of ways. So yeah, I mean Bradley Beal could end up being healthy, could end up, you know, coming out and shooting the lights out in MSG. Um, you know, Chris Stapp's revenge game, like you said, the Kuzma, you know, they got guys like Rui that can go off too off the bench Kispert. i mean the name the, the names go on and on you know who knows if they decide to play will barton he decides to have like a a, a good game where like he gets his shooting back and you know hits like four three or four threes like all these things can happen it's like it's always stuff that only happens versus the knicks too so you know yep um but yeah i mean i think this is where we'll end for today uh sam do you mind if i say one more thing yeah go ahead um and by the way sam doesn't know i'm saying this so you know don't mind him if he has a crazy response um last night my uh my grandfather passed away oh wow um that's he lived a he lived a really good long life um my mom who's his his daughter was with him and he was with you know her her sister and Yada yada. Um, I was thinking about him today, and he uh, he had season tickets to the Knicks in the '60s and the '70s and the early '70s, back when the Knicks won their last two championships. He had uh, Bino Cooks season tickets. Who, you know, a lot of younger people might not recognize that name, but he was a pretty famous sports reporter back way back when. Um, and he liked to talk about it a lot. And whenever I would bring up the NBA now, whenever we would talk about, you know me doing this or just my love of the Knicks, he would always talk about how much better the basketball was back in the sixties and the seventies. And I would always get really mad. Like I would always, cause just objectively, that's stupid. Like it's just stupid <laughs> to say like the basketball wasn't better back then. And I would always be, I don't want to say off-putting because I'm never rude to someone I love, but it was mm-hmm. just always like that sort of like Kurt, like, I'm not going to have this conversation. This is, I'm not going to even address this conversation, you know, like that's just, that's how I am. And that's how I, you know, deal with stuff like that. And, you know, when I, when my mom called me last night and told me about it, I, I couldn't help thinking that I just wish I could have one more of those conversations, even if it was for him to hear, even if it was for me to hear something that I 
didn't think was true or didn't think was right, you know, like, so I guess I just wanted to say, to leave with a message, you know, especially on this day, I'm not going to compare my grandfather to Martin Luther King Jr., but it is, you know, on a day when somebody else who was lost and went too quickly, you know, um, even if, you know, sometimes the people you love frustrate you, you know, just don't let that get in the way of enjoying your time with them and telling them you love them, you know, because someday it ends for all of us and those days stink. So thanks to everyone who watches and contributes. Thanks to you, Sam, for doing this with me. You know, I really enjoy talking about this team. So just wanted to say that. Definitely. Um, condolences to you and your family, Jeff, by the way. Thank you. Um, we will be back on Wednesday night versus the after the Wizards game. Hopefully the Knicks don't give us a heart attack, but you know they will because literally every single game now, I'm just like, when I'm literally waiting for the moment for, to strike for when this team will fold, literally. Um, and now I have to start paying attention to the other team's money line to when we go up big because I'm going to start putting some money down so that way I don't, you know, I'm not going to lose money anymore, you know watching this team i'm gonna gain some benefit like if the knicks are gonna make me stressed i'm gonna gain something out of it one way or another <laughs> um so yeah we'll be back after the wizards game um you know shout out to everyone pulling up shout out to everyone that left a comment definitely leave a like and subscribe we're on our way to 1k sub so all that you do will help us out with the youtube algorithm um we have everything re stricken related linked in the description we have links to the Site, Patreon, merch, and Twitter. All great ways to support us. Um, we are also on Instagram at the strict.land. Another great way to support us, follow us, you know, get your Strickland fix if that's what you are on. Um, especially if you're not on Twitter, where we are at major major majorly majority majority of the time. I don't know. My words are slipping yeah. me as it's like been an hour and a half and we're talking Knicks. Um but yeah we'll be out we'll be back on Wednesday after the Wizards game at MSG. See you guys there. Enjoy your Tuesday. <laughs>